I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Roker Report where we have a whirlwind of results to talk about this afternoon or this morning or this evening or whenever you just happen to be listening I suppose. As we all know Sunderland took over the capital last weekend and played out a thrilling 2-2 draw with Portsmouth in the Checker Trade Trophy only to tragically bow out due to a misplaced penalty from Lee Catamull. But if the lads were physically fatigued and emotionally despondent from their narrow miss at silverware it certainly did not show. Sunderland bounced back immediately with a 3-0 route in Accrington, followed by a hard-fought 2-1 win away to Rochdale on Spotland in, on Saturday. So I'm just going to say this now, and it might come as a surprise to the listeners and the guests we have in the studio today, but I think we might just have enough to talk about in this episode. You know, I think we might just be okay for content. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of guests, um, I think it's about time I might introduce those rather than just ramble away by myself. So I'm joined in the studio by ITV's very own Simon O'Rourke once again. How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, a very interesting week, hasn't it? It certainly has, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, it's very rare that we get to talk about three games, especially games of, of um, uh, such calibre and of such significance. It's been a lot to take in. But yeah, as well as Simon, I'm also joined in the studio by... Former Sunderland player Darren Williams. How are you doing, Darren? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, obviously pleased to be here. Um, yeah. You know, pleased to be getting involved. Of you know, it's been on the cards for a while now, but unfortunately, I've been busy and uh, not being able to get up. Yeah. Did you um, uh, catch the games? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, I watched the final, uh, the cup final. You know, obviously, unfortunately, like you say, you know, we we went out to a, to a penalty again. Um, you know, and the you know the last two games have just been a. a Tremendous response from the players, really. Yeah, I suppose if it's um, uh, any consolation, then um, uh, you probably know what it's like to sort of watch on as a lad on your team misses a penalty at Wembley. But at the very least, it's a game of of less significance. The Czech Trade Trophy. It's probably the least significant cup final a football league team can be in. 
Yeah, so. I mean, I think it was a you know it was a great occasion. Um, you know, the fans love going down to London. Let's be honest. You know, oh, of course, we always overtake. Um, you know, everybody. You know, the city completely. Um, you know, and it's fantastic support as usual. Um, but you know, unfortunately for 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 Lee Catamore, you know, it was it was a you know a, a missed penalty, which you know it, it'll affect him. You know, it will. You know, because he's he's that type of player. You know, he wears a sight on his sleeve. Um, you know, he gives one hundred and ten percent every game. Um, Absolutely, you know, and it will affect him. But hopefully, you know, he can bounce back after that uh, really quickly. It's always someone with a story, isn't it? Like it yeah. was, it was Michael back yeah, in, in ninety eight. You know, the <laughs> yeah. local hero, and then it's Lee Catamol, Sunderland's longest serving player. It's always someone with a story. Yeah. Just quick story about last weekend. Um, at the Wembley press box, you go behind, sort of under, underneath the royal box, to get to the mix zone where you speak to the players afterwards. And uh, you usually have to wait a bit while the team goes up to get the trophy and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, who should I be stood there while I was waiting to go across than Michael Gray, who'd been yeah. working for Talk Sports? Right, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, was, Michael yeah. was, uh, obviously, you just said, you know, I can only imagine what's going through your head, Michael. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very nice what he was trying to do. And I don't know if he was successful because obviously you need the right passes inside Wembley. Yeah. He was trying to get down to speak to Lee. Right. Because right. uh, obviously he's been through it. Yeah, and of course. He, yeah. What he wanted to speak to Lee. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Obviously, you know, when when it happened to Mickey, you know, it hit him quite hard. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, all credit to him, he came back stronger and a better player the, the season after. So you're right. You yeah. know, you know, I think obviously you he, he would want to pass that on to, to Lee Catmull, and I'm, I'm sure Lee would obviously take it, take it in his stride now and, and get back into the. He's a good pro. Do you know what I mean, you know, Lee is a good pro and, and, and he will continue to be a good pro and I, I'm sure, you know, he will bounce back uh, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right what you say, Simon. There's there's always that sort of um, like poetic tragedy with Sunderland, isn't there? Where yeah. <laughs> when there's an occasion like this, you know, if something's going to go wrong, it has to be the player who's the most significant in some shape or form is going to miss it. If it wasn't Catamall, it would probably have to be Honeyman by default, wouldn't it? Or, or Gooch or just someone, I think, with a big connection to the club, you know, much like Mickey Gray before him. But anyway, it's a it's a big thing to talk about. And I fear that if I don't get the three-word review out the way now, we might never get round to it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll crack on with that now. So as always, with the three-word review, it's a very self-explanatory. We asked the good people of Twitter to summarise this last week in three words, which in fairness to them, they've done very well because to talk about everything that's gone on in the last seven days in just three words, you know, it's certainly not easy. But let's see what they came up with. So Lee Wickham says, massive three points. Johnny Robb says, disappointment, relief, elation. <laughs> Robert Grimwood says, six beautiful points. Matty says, recovered from Wembley. RD Generisus says Rochdale commemorative mug. Did you see those? <laughs> no, I didn't. See no, that. no, I um, Rochdale were like peddling this like merchandise um, right. on their like club Twitter, I think it was, or just their club website. Yeah. Of like commemorative mugs to like uh, with like Rochdale versus Sunderland on them. Wow. <laughs> I would never, I would never have expected that like as an actual thing from a club. Sunderland is so showbiz, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are, yeah. we are <laughs> such a big club. You know, it's, yeah. you know this. This is what the mags expect happening in the Premier League. Yeah, it's, sure, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So, uh, Hummy says football, bloody hell. Um, oh, someone's. I think it's Joe Bellaby. I've cut his. I've got the name off here in my plan. I think it's Joe Bellaby. If it's not Joe, I'm very sorry. But Joe Bellaby says hate working match days. I, I certainly hope you've not missed. You've not been working in on Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday in particular. Joe, hope you've got, got at least one of those off. Uh, Gavin Moan says thriving under pressure. Michael Dunn says Charlie Charlie Wyke. Chris Osgraham says caught Barnsley up. 
and Adam Royal says, let's catch Luton. So, what a week in football. And, you know, where better to start off than, than to talk about the Czech Trade Trophy? You know, we've, we've threatened to go massively into it there, so let's just go all guns blazing on that final now. So what did you make of the full day then, Darren? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you're looking at the night before, you know, the the city's packed with red and white, you know, everyone's out drinking, celebrating, you know, in, in the right way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't believe there was any issues or any, any trouble that went on, and I wouldn't imagine it there was. Um, you know, obviously leading up to the game, um, first half, I thought, you know, I thought we were brilliant, to be fair, first half, I thought mm. we played extremely well. Um, it's just unfortunate that we couldn't capitalise a bit more on chances that we had. Um, but then second half, I just felt that we were a completely different side. Um, I agree. Very disappointing um, the second half. And, and, you know, going into the the extra time uh, was disappointing as well, you know. And we only kind of came back to light, really, when we went 2-1 down. Uh, you know, we started, we had to fight for it and we had to go for it. Uh, you know, and then fantastic to, to score, you know, in the second half of extra time and get ourselves back in, into it. Um, but then, obviously, unfortunately, you know, we we end up missing missing out on the penalties again. Yeah, which is a you know it's heartbreaking. Um, but for me, I think the way we've responded from that has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What did you make of it, Simon? Yeah, um, it's hard sometimes not to use cliches in football. Um, you know, I try and steer clear of them, but I've got to say, you'd never seen a game of two halves like that at Wembley last weekend. Sunderland were absolutely sensational, borderline sensational in the first half. They had total control of the game. Catamol, Ledbetter, Honeyman yeah. were absolutely running things mm-hmm. in midfield. Yeah. Um, but then Portsmouth made adjustments. Portsmouth deserve a lot of credit yeah. because they realised that they were under the cosh and they had to change things. They pushed, they pressed higher up, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What was concerning in a long-term respect is that Sunderland didn't really respond to it particularly yeah. well on the mm-hmm. day. They showed the guts and determination that they've been showing all season long, hence getting the equaliser in the 120th minute and that kind of thing. But they didn't respond particularly well to the questions that were asked of them after half time. Yeah. Which is a bit a bit disappointing. It was still it was uh, the whole thing, because I was there filming in Trafalgar Square on Saturday night, the whole thing was brilliant and uplifting. Yeah. And um, you know, Charlie Methvin actually, before a press conference, before the final, was talking about the Checker Trade Trophy because I think he's been there with Oxford before. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and and he said something along the lines of, "If you lose a major cup final, it ruins your year. If you lose the Checker Trade Trophy final, it doesn't necessarily even ruin your weekend." <laughs> no. Um, so so there there was that. I, I found that side of it slightly odd and incongruous throughout the whole thing. You've got eighty five thousand yeah. people there, yeah. and you know at the back of your mind you're thinking how much does this actually matter yeah 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 it's a weird one I think really that the whole occasion is um, I think what gives it momentum or what gives it just sort of like a spirit for Sunderland fans is what it represents rather than what you actually gain from winning the trophy it's all about you know we're going to London for a weekend you know we're going to just you know neck pint in Trafalgar Square we're going to go mental in a as we said, in a, in a very controlled and very respectful way yeah. to everyone else in London, yeah. and we're going to have a you know a big day out at Wembley where we're hopefully going to watch watch the lads, watch a team that we respect and admire, mm. knock some goals past Portsmouth, and what yeah. should be a very thrilling game. Mm. It was more just about watching Sunderland as a team that we can get behind mm. on, like you know, on sort of a on a big stage at Wembley. It was yeah. more just about you know how much I think to try and articulate this. It's more just about how you know how we see ourselves now compared to how we saw ourselves yeah. one or two years ago, you know, rather than playing in a, in a, you know, soulless half empty pink seated stadium of lights, losing 2-0 to Preston, 5-2 yeah. away at Ipswich, um, uh, 
uh, 4-0 up to Southampton with Moyes. We were watching the lads, you know, who obviously aren't as going to be as good as the Premier League team. Mm. But ultimately, this is a team that we're behind. This is a team that we respect. And this is a team that we are going to watch at Wembley. And that whole yeah. occasion has just got so much momentum behind it. It's got a real, like, soul and spirit about it. And that's mm. that's what makes it, like, so momentous. But I think what you say there, Simon, and what you've said as well, Darren, is, is completely bang on. <clears throat> I think Sunderland were borderline sensational is the word in the first half. Mm. They did everything but score more than one. Aidan McGeady is, you know, yeah, looked yeah, as he has looked in many games, absolutely, absolutely unplayable. You know, for yeah. I would absolutely hate to be a League One defender when yeah, when he's totally, on form yeah. on his day. Totally. He's he's absolutely immense. Sunderland dominated the first half, but the question is why couldn't they repeat it in the second? I think we've sort of answered that. Kenny Jackett who's Portsmouth manager. I mean, he's a veteran yeah. football league can manager. He, can he yeah, manage? He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's absolutely no mug Kenny Jacket. You know, if we'd have got him in the summer, I'd have been overjoyed because yeah. he's... he's I, that, I that's... think, obviously, Kenny, Kenny identified what was happening, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, he, you know, he put it right and like you said, mm-hmm. you know, they then put the onus back on us. Um, the worrying thing was is we seemed to panic yeah, and we just kept giving the ball away mm-hmm. every day. Not there was nobody could put the foot on the ball. And the keep composure the ball went, for, you know, for two or three passes. You know, we totally it was going forward. It was coming back straight away. You know, they were under a lot of pressure. And we were playing really, really deep, and we seemed to get really ragged. I think we were just getting pulled all over mm-hmm. the place. You know, each individual player was getting dragged out of position, which was creating space for them to get into, and they were exploiting it extremely well. Yeah, I mean, really, really poor defender for the goal. Um, you know, I think Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as a as a centre half, you've got to get in between that the man and the ball. You know, that would have ran back to the goalkeeper if you'd have got in between the man and the ball. He, he, he's then I don't know I don't know how he's done it, but he seemed to have like jumped into a tackle but jumped past the player, you know, which is very, very poor. You know, at any level. You know, I'd be I mean where I work now, you know, I'd be having a go at my defenders if they did that. You know, and they're nowhere near this level. Well, it's a very, um, it's a very basic thing that you can't yeah, get exactly. wrong. You know, and, and you just think, you know, the community was a communication right there between the centre half and the keeper. Um, you know, because obviously the keeper came. Um, you know, and realistically, you should have really dealt with it a lot. Yeah, communication was a massive problem for that second goal, See, the especially. It wasn't great either. No, it got totally no. overloaded. Yeah, uh, down it was. Look. Like like everyone who's watched Sunderland, I've, I've got nothing but admiration for Lugo Nine. But yeah. but he, they totally overloaded him down his yeah. flank, and uh, also got done at the back stick with the header as well. Yeah, yeah. I think we did we did ride our luck for a long time. We mm-hmm. to get you know in that game, um, you know, and we were fortunate to get back into the game and take you know take it into penalties. Really, mm-hmm. um, you know, overall you look at it. Did we deserve it? I don't think we deserve to win it anyway. No, um, no. I think if you were to if you were to break yeah. the game down, let, let I mean, let's say, let if let's say you give a team a point for every good half of football, every good period of football that's sectioned off in the game that they played. Yeah. Sunderland were easily the better team in the first half, so that's yeah. one nil to us. But then yeah. Portsmouth were the better team in the second, that's one mm. one, and they were the better team in added time. There's two one. Yeah, so exactly. that, that, that's just yeah. how I'd say it. Totally. I think what it is is that Kenny Jacket. And to be honest, I'm I'm quite surprised that none of us really considered this prior to the game. But he's a very experienced football league manager. He is no stranger to a big day out for a football league team, you know, be that playoffs or yeah. whatever. I mean, I, I know obviously he's not he's not seen the likes of the FA Cup, but all right, to be honest, or actually has he? I, I don't really. I, like I say, I don't know him that well. But it's it, it, he's, you're right. He's very experienced, and yeah. he was. But but I actually think. In a sense, this this is possibly the least interesting of the three matches to talk about because it was the Checker Trade Trophy yeah, final, yeah. and and what's happened since then, I think, is more important in that mm. respect. But also, Alex, I think you're completely right in hitting on the idea. Having been in Trafalgar Square, that was what the weekend was. Yep. 
It was, mm. it was, that was identity. That was <laughs> pride. That was further evidence of supporters falling back in love with being Sunderland supporters yeah, totally. and enjoying it and having fun and feeling that, that they like their team again because I, th- I think it Sunderland had become very easy to fall out of love with over previous yeah. seasons. Mm-hmm. And now it's that sort of first flush of love again, you know, romance rekindled. And that, to me, that was the story I took away from London because it, it was it was a group of people who enjoy being Sunderland fans again. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I mean, to, to risk using a cliche, it wasn't really about the destination more. It was about the journey. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the checker trade trophy, the whole occasion by no means is that is that piece of silverware is the whole weekend a means to an end. It's all about the means. It's all about how we get to the stage where we play it. You know, what, what is significant about that game is the whole build up to it. It's about, you know, it's about, you know, getting drunk in Trafalgar. It's about, it's about cheering the lads on, you know, on the biggest football stage in the country. Mm. That's what it's about. I think the majority of Sunderland fans can probably give or take the Checker Trade yeah. Trophy. The trophy as itself is is meaningless in the eyes of most mm. fans, especially now that they've got under-21s competing in there. Yeah. I mean, th- I think the best way of reinforcing that as well is, is I was talking to someone from work and it was a really good point. You said, because I, I was gutted um, on the on the Monday going in and it, and it really sort of bizarrely perked me quite up when he said this. He said, Alex, can you name a single Checker Trade Trophy winner in the past 10 years? Or Johnson's Payne Trophy winner, whichever it is, can you name a single winner of it in the past decade? I said no. He's like, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. how significant this trophy is. Yeah. You know, you know, history will not will not make note of who's won the Checker Trade Trophy. It's no. it's not that kind of thing. No, I think Which, a big thing for for it though is you know the the lads can see what the capabilities are for Sunderland. Yeah, you know, and can see what the fans are, would, mm. can be like. Yeah, you know, an experience and that because a lot of them haven't experienced that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sunderland fans can be actually like they haven't been at the stadium of light where it's jam packed, mm-hmm. you know, to the rafters and they don't stop singing and they're yeah. behind you one hundred percent. And now they've experienced some of that. Hopefully, that will push them on, you know, to, to bigger and better things. Yeah, they've only really had a glimpse of, I think, the full extent of the Sunderland fan base, perhaps on Boxing Day against Bradford. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but like I think if you want like a real to I think to really experience the pinnacle of Sunderland support yeah. is to hear them is to hear them chanting and wise men say just before kick off. Yeah, I think that sure. I think if I was a Sunderland if I was say the likes of Luke O nine or yeah. any of the new lads on the pitch listening to that you'd think, right, wow, you know, this is it. This is mm. this is the the sky for us. You know, yeah. what we've seen in League One is the ceiling. If we shatter that, yeah. you know, where can we go from there? Yeah, how exactly. how much further can we take this? You'd, it must be one hell of an incentive to. I mean, I suppose I won't tell you, Darren, but you know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. one, it's one hell of an, an, oh, of an incentive to the team celebrating yesterday after the full time whistle on the pitch. The, yeah, the I have. Out. Yeah, Luke nine. God love him. Yeah. How much does he enjoy playing? He for oh, he's yeah, just he does, he's yeah. just happy to be alive, it's just isn't he? Lovely to see. It really is. Totally. I mean, I've seen him punch in the air, wasn't he? Like right mm-hmm. at the end of the uh-huh. game, it's just like. I mean, that, that's what they want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As players, that's what you want. You know, you want that week in, week mm-hmm. out. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's home or away, you know. And, and Sunderland will travel. You know, it doesn't matter where where you are. You know, where the game is, they yeah. will travel. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they the, 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 the like that. You know, yeah. they, they love the football. I mean, the, su- and the they support. just want to love that club again. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it. What, what, what the Sunderland fans will do for a team that cares is almost limitless. I mean, I think to, um, to once again, use another cliche by quoting Simon Grayson of all people, but Sunderland's a working class club. You know, I mean, he, he 
we heard him say that about 10 million times in his, his interviews but yeah. but the point stands that it is you know predominantly this is a working class city this is a working class club the, 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 there will be Sunderland fans who have been to Wembley for a weekend booked God knows how long off work yeah. paid how much for travel they've got to see them at Wembley they've got to see them at Accrington in midweek and then yeah. they've got to see them at Rochdale yeah. on Saturday yeah. now for a lot of fans you could imagine that the the strain on the wallet and perhaps the the, the level of stamina would wane mm. by the following week understandably a lot of fans would probably drop out and think you know I've, I've done I've done Stanley I've done yeah. Wembley mm. I'll give Rochdale a miss yeah. and there we are with 4,000 yeah, there exactly. we are absolutely packed out you know th- there's these these our fans just love watching a team that cares. Yeah, they just love watching a team that will graft for them. That that's what it's all about. It's 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 great. It's great to see. It's great. Mm-hmm. I think there's a real culture now, especially amongst well well primarily almost exclusively amongst the fan base mm-hmm. of just getting behind them. I mean, if you look at Charlie Wyke, for example, now this is an interesting point I want to get onto. Charlie Wyke, he, he obviously. He scored yesterday, but in a lot of fans' minds, he seemed like a bit of a Jules Yatledor, a bit like, oh, he's, he's not going to get going. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to work for him. But then before kickoff, you know, before before any before he could put in yet another performance that we would assume wouldn't be very good, they're the chanting his name, you know, before yeah. kickoff. And it's mm. just it's just great to see that. It's great to see that the fans, there's just a culture of positivity now of just, yeah. let's get behind them. Let's just show them that we want them to do well. Yeah. You know, there's, well, and I think that's it. And there's... the. There's that connection back now with the fans, you yeah. know, that was lost for a long time. Oh, I mean, you, you know, we had it when we played, when we mm-hmm. played, you know, we had that connection, we had that interaction with the yeah. fans, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But that went, it did, know, absolutely. And I, and I don't know whether it was down to players' attitudes or whether it was down to the way the club was or what what it was, mm-hmm. but it it went for a long time. It, it did. It, it was. It's down to all of it. Dan. Yeah, it's yeah. down to every everything that you've mentioned. Played a part, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And you know they've got that; they're getting that now. They're getting yeah. that connection back, and it's great. You know they they are the the twelfth man on a match day. If you if you get the Sunderland fans behind you on a match day, they ain't they ain't nothing that realistically that you can't do. No, because when you I mean you come out of the stadium like it's jam packed, and you, you you hear the roar before you even get down like at the end of the tunnel. And it's, you, you just want to kill everyone on the pitch, <laughs> and that's the way you do, you know. And, and if you, you don't want to kill everyone, Bali wanted to kill everybody. So it was like, you know, and that's how that's how it was, and that connection was great. And mm. now the new regime are getting that going again, which yeah. is fantastic. You've got players with a fighting spirit, mm-hmm. with fans behind them who will who will be the catalyst for that spirit. You know, it's... yeah. And those, you mentioned the fans who went to Rochdale yesterday. I know we'll come on and talk about the match. They got their reward because they got what. I think might turn out to be the most significant moment of Sunderland season. They yeah. got to see that yesterday. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that, that was great. Yeah, I think this might have been the biggest week for Sunderland all season. To be fair, I think how they responded to the game at Wembley will be a big make or break thing. I know we've said that the Czech Trade trophies, you know, as, as a trophy, fundamentally it's quite meaningless compared to you know an actual an, an actual Wembley day out, like a playoff mm. final or a cup final, like the FA Cup, but. It would take its toll on the players. I think to lose at Wembley to a team that you're competing against for promotion mm. would be a massive toll. You know, mentally you, you, you'd be shot. I know the likes of Lee Catamull would. I'd imagine the dressing room was yeah. was an awful environment at full time. You know, I'd, uh, they would have felt totally, totally dejected come that final whistle. Yeah, it would have been definitely will have been. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it would have been, and you know, and, and physically as well, there would have been a lot of strain, on, a lot of yeah. strain on that team. A lot of those lads played ninety two, one hundred and twenty minutes. They played yeah. a long time, and they're only playing again on the road yeah. three days later away from home. 
Yeah, exactly. I was fearing the worst, to be honest. I thought, oh, God, is this going to be one of those things where, you know, they don't recover in time and they just yeah. look knackered and, and yeah. the other team just like just like kicks them off the park. But no, mm-hmm. they just went and just battered them. One no, it's nil. fantastic. Characters are immense. Yeah, I can only imagine the dressing room was very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as it was when we lost in the in the final, you know, it was extremely low, the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to talk. Nobody no. wanted to say anything. Everyone was just... It's one of those where you it's, you just blank, you know, and you just sat there and you're thinking, right, you know, what well, we've just lost, you know, it's a re- terrible. You mm-hmm. know, the fans are out there, you know, they're, they've been fantastic all game, you know, but we've we've let them down, we've lost, and uh, like you know, now now Quinn came out and said it, you know, we will be stronger with, from this. We yeah. will go on next season. Mm-hmm. We we will walk the league, you know, and that wasn't being cocky or arrogant in any way, shape, or form. We just had that belief in each mm-hmm. other. And we basically wanted to leave that dressing room and start back pre-season training. Yeah. Because that's how you felt. You just wanted to get back and, and right the wrongs, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully that's what's happened with the lads. You yeah. know, they've got to a point where disappointment, they've let the fans down, they've let themselves down. Right, let's put it right. You know, the only way we mm-hmm. can do this is by getting promoted. Yeah. It's just resilience and determination born from a good strong solidarity in the team and that's exactly what you need yeah. I think that'll take them far I think that's the kind of honestly winning oh, sorry losing the Czech Trade Trophy final might be what we needed yeah. it, we, we might have needed that that sense of togetherness to yeah, sort of totally. be born from that so we can take that that energy and just go on and just win the games we need to win and, and get second place as a bare minimum but speaking of I mean, we've spoken there at length about all the great things about Sunderland of recent times, but there is one sort of like nagging thing for me about about that final. And look, I'm still a huge fan of Jack Ross and I'm extremely grateful for everything that he's done for us so far. But but for me, taking off Greg was a ridiculous decision when it was done. I think leaving us without a striker in order to shore up the defence meant like any meaningful counter-attack from Pompey could result in an equaliser, which would then make it just like massively difficult for us to reclaim a lead with no one up top. You know, there's there's never been a Sunderland manager who's able to defend a one nil advantage in a meaningful game. It's just never a thing that I've seen. Mm. It's it's never a thing that's really been a thing that we could do. So, was the Will Grigg substitution, Grigg for power, was that a bad call, Simon? What did you think? Um, it turned out to be a bad call, and and if it doesn't work in the end, and and your team ends up losing the game, then it's not gone for you, has it? No. Um, I do I do understand why he did it. Um and also there's a little bit of context in that Will Grigg has been carrying an ankle injury ever since he arrived at the club and the management are aware that they have to kind of nurse made him through the rest of the season. Mm. If you notice he, he often doesn't finish games. I know he I know he did yesterday, which is good to see. Um but it is bothering him. He is carrying that and they probably knew on the big pitch at Wembley that he wasn't going to go the distance um they were winning obviously at the time when he made the switch and his logic for it so to speak was the idea of having players who can run with the ball and the idea was to get to run with the ball and just take the ball far away from danger as much as possible but it didn't pan out because Portsmouth were well, in almost complete control yeah. at that point yeah. in the game and so the players he wanted on the ball weren't getting hold of the ball and yes it did start to look a bit strange obviously it was may exacerbated because then Reese James had to come off and he had to make his third substitution and he couldn't because he if you remember he was trying to bring White on but he couldn't in normal yeah. time because he had to make the change mm-hmm. and bring Denver Hume on. Then of course you get a fourth substitution extra time and Charlie White did yeah. come on. I, I do I, I kind of understand why he did it but no it didn't work and I'm sure he'll be the first to admit that. 
yeah, it's um, I, th- I think the issue really for me, uh, obviously again, like I'm I'm never a fan of defending the one nil just because I've never known it to work. But the biggest problem I think that it caused was that the, the 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 shape we had and we often have is a very good one when we play, but we sort of lost that when Greg went off. I think. I think Gooch kind of got dragged over into like a false nine-ish mm. kind of position that yeah. Yeah. he's never going to be able to play. I mean, I, I don't rate Gooch's end product. I love him as a, as a player and a character, but <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, the end product's not there. He couldn't play as a striker. Mm. And he was he was sort of like your port of call for any attack now going forward when he's now playing in a very ambiguous position. So I just felt that once they got that equalizer, I was like, oh, there was just a dread sort of like welling within me just thinking, right, how are we going to get this equalizer now? Because we've we have we've not got... A, a finisher playing yeah. a striking role on the pitch now. Like, what are we going to do? Like, there was one chance in added time when the ball was flashed across our sort of our sort of corridor, and there was no Grig there to, to tap it in. And yeah. I think had he have been, and obviously, as you say, uh, Simon context is key. Will Grig's been carrying that like that little niggle, and on a big pitch at Wembley, he's not going to last 110 minutes. It's just not going to happen. But if you have a striker there, maybe just to sort of tap it in, you know, yeah. I suppose I, I don't know. I, I just think. I, I just, I just think it didn't work, and I think, I think it was destined to not really work. Yeah. Based on the nature of the sub made, but yeah, I think there was more, obviously there was more things in it, wasn't there? Really, you know, you, we can look at the substitution and what you know why he did it and what he did. Um, but realistically, in that second half, we just didn't get hold of the ball anyway. No. Do you know what I mean? So uh, re- realistically, Will Grigg was non-existent because yeah. we didn't get it to him. We didn't look, retain the ball. We didn't look after the ball. You know, and we became very scrappy, and, and you know, and we just ended up disjointed yeah to be quite honest you know you, you look you, when you look at the game so all we you know our centre-halves were way, way out of out wide you know and you think well you know the, the centre midfielders you know Catamore and Lebit were struggling to really keep keep pace with the lads in the middle of the mm-hmm. path for Bosman's God they really stepped up their game oh, and then massively. realistically the only time we actually got back into the game and looked like you know, we held the ball and and kept it and, and got into dangerous areas. So when we went two one down, mm-hmm. I think it was it was only like sheer desperation towards the end that sort of just like pushed the lads on yeah, to get something. Exactly. You know, and and that's the only time, apart from the first half, is we played with any urgency mm-hmm. in the second half and and, and in extra time. That's the only time towards that end, end of the the game that we mm-hmm. actually played with any urgency and any desire to go and you know obviously get ourselves back into the game. Yeah, it was almost like we had a really good game plan from the get go, a really good plan A. But then Portsmouth had a better counter, but then we didn't have a counter for their counter. No. It was sort of like once their plan B came up, yeah. we just sort of stopped playing and just resorted to long balls and just yeah. sort of scrappy clearances. The, 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 the way we passed the ball around in the first half was excellent, but they just seemed to forget Fantastic. how to do it in the second. I just think, I, I think, I think our good passing game relies on a certain level of composure. And while I do value these characters in this team, I do think there's an element of confidence to that. I think once that sort of goes... They just sort of result of kicking it. Yeah. We've seen it loads of games where they've they've just been off the boil from the start because yeah. they've just not really looked like they've felt it that game. Oxford <laughs> away, Wickham away, um, just games like that, and yeah. obviously the second half. But but no, yeah. Um, I think one final point on Wembley just to leave it on is why does Lee Catamore take your penalty? You've got George Honeyman there; he's your captain. You've got Charlie White there, a number nine. Truly, your captain or your number nine? takes a penalty over Lee Catamore, who prior has never taken a, a meaningful penalty for Sunderland. Well, fortunately, Simon. I think Darren should answer this one. <laughs> yeah. you, you've been in that situation. Yeah. How, who decides? How, how does it happen? Well, basically, you put yourself forward. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you put your name forward. And mm-hmm. obviously, from then, then on, realistically, if you looked at, you know, if it was, you know, for instance, 
Kev Phillips, Niall Quinn, Nicky Summerby, you know, Alan Johnson, you know, Alex Ray, you know, myself, Jordy, you know, whoever it was, you'd look at them and, and think, right, okay, who who are my better penalty takers from that? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Whether whether these lads put themselves forward, I don't know. You know, I can only speculate that they didn't because mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. Um, you know, Catamore's obviously put himself forward. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he felt confident to take one. Personally, I picked, I, I was actually racking my brains before the actual penalty takers were picked. And I actually picked exactly the same penalty takers. And I don't know why I put Catamore in it. No. And I read, no disrespect to him. I just don't know why I put him in. But I, I said, oh, Catamore, because I thought he's an honest player. He's an honest lad. He will put his name forward. And, and he has done, you know, but unfortunately, you know, it, it, it's he's a, he's a player who likes to take responsibility, he doesn't he? Yeah. So yeah. He, w- he would have thought it was his responsibility yeah. to take it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, yeah, he, he shouldn't. You should be more looking for your, your strikers, your goal. And, and I, know, I know Katz has scored, you know, some goals this season, which is fantastic, but he's not an out and out goal scorer. He's not. He's you, really you know, not. You would look beyond Catamold and think, right, who. Who have we got that could take a you know mm-hmm. penalty catch? Yeah, you can be the next, you know, the sixth one if it goes that to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have him in the first five, but no, it's, um, and, but it's I suppose very strange. yeah, I suppose it's just strange. it was just a case of willing. It was who who wanted to take it. And I mean, yeah. and imagine with the, the lads we've got mm. that a lot of them came forward. There's probably some that missed out in the first five and think, I wish I could have taken his instead. Yeah. And it, it was a very weak penalty, I mm. think, when you look at it. He, he steps up, and before the foot connects with the ball, the body's arched. If you're a keeper then you, you're reading that before it's taken. Yeah, you're thinking, right, he's, 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 well, he's aiming it? for the left. It's, you know, it, it's about lower torso for the keeper. He's, mm-hmm. he, he can just lean across and he can get that. And if, you know, a, a fairly pedestrian save to make, I think, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But, you know, you know it, it, it has to happen to someone at the end of the day. You know, you, yeah. you, you know we, we can't, there's, there's no... There's there's no way where you can't have a disaster for someone in a penalty mm. shootout. We can't be going on there forever just taking penalties. One person yeah. has to yeah, get it wrong, true. and well, it, it's well, Lee Catamull. So it, 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 it is what it is. Because it was the Checker Trade Trophy final, there's there's really no need to cry over this spilt milk now. Mm. Um, because what what's come since then, um, well, it won't take away the memory, and certainly won't take away the memory for Lee Catamull. No, it, it's it. The big picture is always the important thing, and the big picture looks better at the, yeah. at, at the end. Of the week. Um, and and that that's that's what I take away. Yeah. I think at the end of the week and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, that that's what we've got to take solace in is that obviously while it's not gone right for us on the day, yeah, what it has given us is a, a run out in Wembley. It, you know, if Touchwood, um, we end up there again in the playoffs, we've been there before. At the very least, you know that that's got to be there's got to be an element of of comfort that even if you've gone there and lost, we've played there before. We know what it's like. We, yeah, we can prepare. You, you've being, experienced yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we something. we can visualize what it'll be like to walk out there against yeah. a League One team of a similar caliber while the Sunderland fans cheer us on. Yeah. But it's, it's not a total unknown anymore. Every single Sunderland fan doesn't want to be anywhere near Wembley on the 26th of May, do they? No. Oh, absolutely not. No, <laughs> no, 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 we, no, we do not want to be there. No, I definitely want to be second. Yeah. Bare minimum, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll get first at this rate, not with Luton. But I think second's got to be your most realistic. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's not. It's not beyond us. It's not. It's top spot. Is not no, beyond. it's it's not. It's it's still. I know it's a long shot, and I know you look at the games that we've mm-hmm. got. We have got some tough games, tough running. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we, we win the two games in hand. You know? Yeah, you win the two games in hand, and you're a point behind Luton. You know, I mean, I, I think I think it's a very tall order to catch them. I think it's going to be. A, I think if that's your ambition, it's a very it'll be very difficult because they're a very good side. But look, we haven't got to play them again. There's no risk of dropping points to them. You know, if we keep the if we keep the heat on and we keep this sort of togetherness and we keep this quality we've got, hmm. 
And I, yeah, I, I think it's possible. It's not beyond us at all. And no, I think, but I at mean, bare minimum, me, I, we should I, be in for they second. Had bad, they, had, they had a bad time, bad run yet. No, not really. No, no. I mean, a bit of a bad. No, they're they're quite they're quite irritatingly consistent. Yeah. Luton. Barnsley are in a sticky patch. Yeah. Um, oh, they are. Barnsley lost Kiefer Moore for uh, yeah. the rest of the season a few a couple of months by, and they were getting by, but they were winning matches one nil. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. they've stopped scoring. Yeah. Uh, so they've had a couple of nil nil draws, and then obviously they they got beat at Burton. Burton are a good team. Yeah. Um, but you've got to congratulate sort of the three extended out to four uh, with Portsmouth, but certainly the three teams at the top. That was um, Barnsley's first defeat since December the 8th. Mm. Sunderland haven't been beaten since December the 21st. Don't know when for Luton, but they're on the best unbeaten run in their in the club's history. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've, That's right. you've got to say that the, those three teams are having exceptional seasons at the yeah. top. And whichever one of them finishes third is going to be able to consider themselves a little bit unfortunate. Yeah. Obviously, they'll have a second chance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, interesting at, at, at the minute. I th- I, a point that you've both made there, which I think is important to remember, is Sunderland's running is is definitely the harder. Yeah. Um, but it just sort of feels like they've found this taking care of business mode yeah. at the minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely mm. it's been a, there's been a very almost unsettling sort of no nonsense. Right, we're just going to do it yeah. approach, which I don't you don't normally see with Sunderland. But then again, this is a new Sunderland. You know, it, it, yeah. this is a new team. I've just got them. Um, uh, just got the, this list of um, Barnsley's previous matches up on here, Simon. Out of the last nine games, four of them have been nil nils. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're absolutely right. It, it's something I noticed as soon as Moore got injured that. After his injury, the goals have well and truly dried up. I mean, they lost Liam Lindsay as well, who's a very good player. But you know, Moo was the big one when he played against us. He looked, uh, he, he was, he was terrifying to watch. He, he looked like a very good player. So to be without him could be devastating in the long run. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDag, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at two percent permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. I think at the moment it's definitely theirs to lose. You know, that the last three want to burden. That's going to, you know, they're, they're going to be bricking it now. The level on points with us, we've got two games in hand. And you know, again against Rochdale, we're just we're just sorted out. You know, there was just a case of you know we weren't going to let ourselves be beaten. We weren't going to accept a one-one. We we're going to go out and win. What did you make necessarily of of the Rochdale game, Darren? How much did you catch of that? I only caught bits of it, to be quite honest. Right. Um, I mean, you, you know, you you look at the the three games, and you, you've gone from playing at Wembley, which is a fantastic stadium, fantastic yeah. pitch. To go and play in Rochdale, and, Rochdale. And, and then Rochdale, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and, and let's be honest, they ain't fantastic. No, pitches. two of the two of the um, was uh, the, one of the worst pitches I've yeah, ever seen. Absolutely oh, that, awful. The way the ball sort of like trundles on the pitch when you do like a pass along yeah. the ground. Both, I mean, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's 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 quite weird. It's it's yeah. bizarre, really. You've gone from like I say, Wembley, the yeah, best, exactly. categorically the best team in the country. But to we've gone about the business, and we've done, <laughs> yeah. we've done the job. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not be funny. Sometimes it can it can be. It can affect teams going to these stadiums. No, no disrespect to these clubs, but when you look at the pitch and you know in the back of your head, you think, well, you know, pitch is horrendous. You know, yeah. 
and you can you can think of all the excuses all the way mm-hmm. along, but the lads haven't done that. You know, they've no. got on with it. They've got on the pitch. They, you know, they've, they've they've done well. Obviously, you know, we fell behind. You know, but what character to come back and go and go and win the game? Absolutely, two one. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I think I, 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 I think that if you put the context of the other results yesterday in, and you consider how the pitch was, you consider that Sunderland had to do it all without their best attacking player, Aidan McGeady. Um, you consider the emotion of the late winner. I think it was Sunderland's most significant win of the season mm-hmm. yesterday. I just think I, I did actually get to watch the second half of the game, and you're absolutely right. They they didn't settle for one one. They they knew that there was an opportunity there for them, and it just felt a hugely significant moment when George Honeyman got that goal towards yeah. the end. Oh, it was it was it was immense. You know, it was. It just showed you how much it meant to him, didn't it? You know, he runs the full length of the pitch, and he's just absolutely. I think to to him that couldn't mean anything more. Could no, it? It's no, just definitely not. I mean, it, it's fantastic, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, they've got this bit between the teeth at the moment. You mm-hmm. know, we hope, and obviously they keep it. Um, you know, and like I said, I don't think Luton have had a bad patch yet. No, know, they do a bad patch. You know, normally certainly hope so. throughout the season mm-hmm. you go through a little sticky patch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and well, they got a late equaliser yesterday. Yeah. Didn't they? And but the, in a game that they would have expected to yeah. win, mm-hmm. um, and they had James Collins sent off as well, so he, he'll yeah. miss a game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Any game that I think they don't win now will be seen as a disappointment for them. I think yeah. if they've they've probably set the bar quite high for themselves with this ridiculous run they've been on, so mm. the fans will be at a point where they're expecting that run to keep going. Yeah. Just just to keep the distance between until perhaps. Automatic promotion, in some respect, is confirmed. They'll want that standard to be maintained, yeah. and they'll be very uncomfortable with anything less than a win. I think mm. every week, Barnsley, especially, you know, will be, you know, they'll be sort of they'll, they'll be sweating buckets at the thought of yeah. the thought of us catching them, which has never looked more more possible. But I think we haven't really spoken that in that much depth about the Accrington Stanley game. But I suppose really, there's, you know, there's, there's there's not that much to talk about in the grand scheme of things. You know, we, we came into this game thinking that right, you know, this. This could be very detrimental to our season, you know. Like our 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 lads will be absolutely shot, you know. They'll be knackered from playing 120 minutes. They could be quite dejected. We don't know how this lot are going to take a feeling like that of losing at Wembley. We don't know how that's going to work in the team, how they'll respond. Then they go out and beat them three 0 and they, and they beat them with with an absolutely emphatic performance and scoreline. You know, you had McGeady's cracker, you had Will Griggs' extremely textbook route one poacher's goal. It's just a a, a great performance all round. Fantastic, yeah. No, yeah. it's again. It's not. It's not an easy place to go. No, you know, it's a tough place to go. You know, as we've said before, the pitches ain't fantastic. Um, you know, so the players are just going about it in the right manner. I think, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. You know, we ain't shouting from the rooftops about it. No. Um, you know, we're taking each game as it comes. Um, you know, and, and the lads are producing and, and seem to be getting better and better as as each game goes along. Um, you know, we've got to obviously hope that continues. Um, you know, and hope we keep playing the way we want to play. Because sometimes you can get dragged in, in, in playing, you know, other t- other teams' games. You know, like you know, a lot of teams are direct. Um, you know, we we can't be direct. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, you've got to mix it up. And, and but when we play and we pass the ball and we move the ball, they ain't a lot, especially with the likes of McGeady. You know, he he on the ball, he's fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely fantastic. Jack, Jack Ross said. Um, and the build-up to the Accrington game after Wembley, um, he made quite a point of the fact that they'd been to Accrington, if you remember, because yeah. it was the abandoned game. Yeah. And so they knew what they were walking into. It wasn't going to come yeah. as a culture shock to them and that kind of thing. 
also, if ever there was a game to score an early goal in, yeah. then that was it, that wasn't oh, it? Oh, definitely. Then, then you know, right, fine, it's out of the system, yeah. let's put, press on. Yeah. And, and, and to get that start, and especially the manner of it, it, it was a brilliant goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it must just have settled everyone down so yeah. much. That yeah, it's just a, like a, a friendly reminder that we are still a mint team here. You know, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we've lost, but we're class. You know, I'm, I'm going to go and beat these jobbers. Mm. You know, yeah, it, that is what it is. <laughs> and I think as well, that, that's a big point as well. I mean, we're going to get on to McGeady in a bit more detail and interest in a little bit. But there is an element of Sunderland needing to play their own game and not having to play another team's game because there's been a few occasions where we've been dragged into like a mirror match with teams who, I mean, you say there, Darren, play direct football, which I think is in most teams' cases in this league, a very grandiose term yeah. for just kicking the ball upfield and then yeah. kicking our players when they can't kick the ball up the field. Yeah. You know, teams like Wickham, etc. Yeah. But th- there's an element of that. When, when we get dragged into long ball football and just sort of the, the whole nature of, you know, let, let's hoof it up, let's hope mm. for the best, let's, you know, shoulder barge everyone off the ball. We can't play as well as other teams because a lot of other teams are just built around massive players. And yeah, exactly. We're you not. Know, we don't really have that in our side. You know, we don't have that physical presence really. No. You know, that, would get us that type of game. Um, I think we mix it up well. I think it's time, you know, you can go direct, but with a bit of care, mm-hmm. you know, and a bit of quality. As, um, as we've seen with the route one balls over to Grig. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, but we, we mix it up quite well. We mm-hmm. play when we need to play, you know, and, and, and we will go yeah. with a nice bit of quality in behind if needs be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, you can, you, unfortunately, you know, I've, I've been there, you know, you get dragged down into playing a long ball mm-hmm. game and, and, you know, for us, it doesn't work. No, no, n- not when it's not when it's especially like not not when exclusive direct play is the last thing on Jack Ross and the team's mind. And with players like Aidan McGeady, as you see, you can mix it up and you can find that sort of happy medium between having to knock the ball over the top and then maybe picking out some more sort of like fluid, you know, more like nicer looking passes. He's a player who can do that, McGeady. He can he can see a ball over the top to Grig when it's when it's available for that split mm. second when he can release the ball, but he can see the pass out wide or he can see when he can beat his man and go. It, it's the vision and intelligence and the skill that that sort of triad of like attributes that makes him just the the best player in League One in terms of raw quality. He's a defender's yeah. nightmare, isn't he? Let's be oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's 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 a defender's nightmare, and he's a if he gets he's a League One fullback's greatest fear. Yeah, you, you put your house on that, he's going to go past him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can only recall him being tackled once. Yeah, I've seen them play. Yeah, it's so annoying. Um, like, that's the thing. It's so annoying. Isn't it? And realistically, for a defender, if if you don't tackle him, you're going to end up fouling him. You know. Yeah. And, Chances are you're going to be walking a thin line of, of, yeah. of yellow cards and possible mm. red cards, you know. So. Well, he should be. His injury that kept him out yesterday, they're not concerned about. I think had they been playing to get promoted, he would have played yeah. yesterday. That was mm-hmm. how I understood it. Um, I'll be interested to see the team sheet at 6.45 on Tuesday night when they play Burton. Oh, yeah. Because it's a home game back on the Stadium Alight big pitch. Yeah. And... Obviously, he went four four two in the two games against Accrington and Rochdale, mm-hmm. and I'll be interested to see what he does. Grant Ledbitter, who's been excellent yeah. since coming back to the club, um, obviously sat those two games out, which was maybe no bad thing, mm. um, and given the way that the games were likely to be anyway. But I think there'll be a big temptation, certainly, to bring him back in yeah, on Tuesday night. Yeah. Maybe that might lead to a change of formation as yeah. well. Yeah, there are so many question marks there, aren't there? It's it's like. You know, we'll go back to our uh, to uh, back. We're back at the Sol for the first time since Wembley. Do we go back to the four two three one? You know, do we sort of go back to the two holding midfielders? If we do, do we do we stick Catamol Ledbetter back in, perhaps for confidence? Do do we keep McGeoch in? Do we do we lose McGeoch? He's he's, he's waited 
ages McGee, for his McGee place. Needs to play on Tuesday. Uh, he does. It, he really does. <clears throat> it would feel. I think it would be strange in the dressing room if he didn't play. It'd be cruel. You've, you've got to. You've got to have a sort of meritocracy, yeah. haven't you? Totally. If you play well, you should yeah. stay in the team. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's yeah. played well in those two games. Yeah. I mean. I mean. God bless him. He's he's waited long enough for this chance in the first team, and yeah. he's he's got it. And you know, he's taken it with two hands. He's done. He's done brilliantly. Mm. He's a really good player, McGeoch. He's got to keep his place um, at the expense of who? Uh, I'm not sure, but he's, if we do go for the two holding mids, I think he would slot in brilliantly by Ledbetter. Of course, that will remain to be seen, but I could just imagine that working very well. I think yeah. they would be... Uh, I mean, I think we've said it before, but I think in the start of the transfer window, he was signed with the intention of being a catamole whose legs, quote-unquote, haven't gone. Yeah. So if, if he plays alongside Ledbetter in a holding two, I think it'd be great equally. If you stay with a four four two, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's mm-hmm. been fine so far. Logically it'll be fine against Burton, but Burton are a good team. You know, the the better than Stanley and the better than Rochdale, two teams in and around the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a harder game. I think that might well that, that might test perhaps our endurance and our solidarity. Yeah, well, I mean it'll be a tough game. I mean, yeah, every game that we, we're gonna go into now is gonna be a tough game. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, it's gonna it's gonna feel like a tough game. But like I said, you know, we just need to go about our business and, and, and do what we're good at. Um I think if we start worrying about other teams too much, then they can get on top of us. Mm-hmm. Um I think we just worry about how we how we do. Yeah. We've got to focus on our our own team, our own sort of talent, our yeah. own expertise, you know, m- much like you know, I, I think now will be a good time to sort of delve into this um, uh, into this week's quick question, which is all about all about Aidan McGeady. As we've said there, you know, he's a, he's a League One fullback's worst nightmare. If I was him and I was dribbling towards, say, you know, um, uh, insert jobber's name who plays for Southend, I'd be going towards him and I'd, I'd just lean in on my way past and be like, I wouldn't he bother as I just like went past and then dribbled the ball in because it's just not, you're not going to get him. No, no one in this league has got the skill to contain him, not at all. So here's here's a question that I posed to Twitter hypothetically via the Roker Report Twitter. It's, do you think Sunderland could secure automatic promotion without Aidan McGeady as an option for the remaining games? So we'll start with Colin Burden. He says, I think we would struggle unless we get Maguire back, but I think he would give us that extra bit of fighting spirit to get us through. Just hope it's all sorted before the Portsmouth match. So, what do you make of that, Simon? Um, yeah, it's an it's a perfectly interesting question. Mm-hmm. I think it basically he's the person who can make a difference in a close game. And yeah. were he to not be available to Sunderland for the remainder of the season, I, I think it might be difficult for them to win enough matches mm-hmm. without him. Having said that, it was encouraging that they won without him yesterday. Um, but I mean. It's kind of the same with any team, isn't it? If you if you take Messi out of Barcelona, if you know, if you take Harry Kane out of Spurs, if you if you take a team's best player out, yeah. then it's going to be harder, isn't it? Of course. Uh, just a little mention of Maguire there. I think um, he was a big miss at Wembley. I think it, he, that would have been the sort of game he would have absolutely loved. And yeah. coming on as a sub, for example, mm. he, he might have been able to have given. Something yeah, he, he would have he, thrived he's, in that he's definitely got a part to play in the running as well yeah definitely I think you know when he comes on he does make an impact on the game mm-hmm. uh, you know and, and he, he well we've seen him change games yeah you know, let's be honest you know he did it at the stadium the light um, mm-hmm. you know we're 2-0 down you know he comes on he changes the game it is yeah he just upped the tempo of the game he completely changed the tempo of the game he added so much more to McGeady as well I think those two when they're playing maybe like adjacent position wise on the pitch you know Maguire number 10 McGeady out wide when those two are sort of like have that like touching distance from each other, they seem to play and link up very well. Yeah. There were loads of times against that 
in that when we, when we played Stanley and it was two two yeah. at the Sol, there were loads of occasions where one of them wins the ball back off the defence and they both just race forward and yeah. they can just cause like so much hassle mm. to the back line combined. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's who do you follow? You know, do you bother following McGeady? Yeah. Or do you keep the pressure on Maguire? You know, get the wall back. Mm. Maguire's on your tail straight away. Yeah, so. He gets the ball back, releases it to McGeady, and there's just so many problems that can just come out of nowhere with those two. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I, I think Collins. I, I mean, f- that was another yeah. game really. Realistically, if you look at the game, it's just. Game of two halves, wasn't it? It was. People were horrendous yeah. in the first half. Yeah, and, and then and we were a different side. Different. And one yes. player made the difference. It's Totally. I think now we're starting to get a bit more consistency throughout the game. Mm-hmm. We're never going to dominate a game from start to finish. No, not, no. Very rarely you see teams do that. Mm-hmm. You know, always the other team has a spell at some point in the game. But we're starting to control a little bit more of each each game as we go. You know, And if we can keep that, you know, maintain that, you know, it'll stand us in, in great stead. Yeah. Strap yourself in, though, because it's going to be an exciting ride to the end yeah. of the season because there's some of those games. I look at the Burton one, then there's teams like Coventry, there's Doncaster, there's there's that sort of Peterborough away. Yeah. The, these aren't games that Sunderland are going to win 4-0. No. There's, th- these are games that Sunderland might very well go and win, but they're going to win them by the odd goal. It's going to, yeah. Basically, I think people are going to be fingertips. It's yeah, going to be definitely. nervous. It's going to be a it's tight be one. Fun. Yeah, yeah, I think... I think what you know when we watch it back on Netflix, I'm sure it'll be it'll be great to watch all the all the sort of like last <laughs> yeah. gasp one nil two one three twos, but I think yeah I think Colin's on the money there. I think I think we will struggle if if we had no McGeady and no Maguire for the rest of these games. I think we would struggle like mm. a lot more so than we did before. That's our creative side. Yeah, yeah, that is that that's your. I mean, th- those those are my two most creative attacking players that we've got. You know, McGeady and Maguire, especially together, as we've mm. said. They have the attributes that can really just combine and, and make things happen. But yeah, anyway, moving on. Um, Daniel Stogel answered this question as well by saying, Today showed, today being Rochdale, showed that we can finish the job without him, but he is such an asset to the club. He solidifies and excites our attack and scares defences. The quicker we get him back, the better our goal tally will be. We don't need him, but I'd rather have him playing than not playing. What do we think? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah God have him, don't we? Yeah, I think I think I'm that, sure that's... If, he's, if he's fit, he'll play on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm sure he will. Uh, you know, I, I, he he's a, he's getting on McGeady. I think I think he's 32, 33, is he? You know, um, uh, he's he's in his thirties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he's fitness has never seemed like a problem for McGeady in any sense of the word. I think he's. Nah, he's I think for for the foreseeable, he'd be fine. I think he he, he can miss a game, you know, through through a knock. Or through maybe playing a full ninety, and and it can be good to go in the next one. I mean, yeah. we saw that against, you know, at Wembley played on the foot. I mean, how was he? It was on. He played the whole one hundred and twenty, didn't he? Mm. And then and then he's he's back. He's back on against Dakwin and getting an early goal. You know, it's yeah. Exactly. Doesn't, doesn't seem to phase him that much. Yeah, I don't think fitness is an issue yeah. at all. I don't no. Think. Um, you know, but like you say, you know, he works hard. Yeah, he works up and down. He needs to be commended for yeah. for his attitude. I think because so, um, I think it shows that he is a. a a professional with a good attitude because yeah. he, he could have spat the dummy in League One mm-hmm. thought totally, yeah. you know I'm above this mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't be playing away at Accrington and that kind of thing yeah. but he clearly hasn't done that he's no. um, he's got his head down he's known that he if if he's right in the head he will be one of if not the best players in the division yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. he saw maybe a good opportunity for, for maybe a more some consistency at, at this latter stage of his career when he's took it. Yeah. A lot of players perhaps who didn't don't have the same sort of aptitude and character might have just thought, you know what, if I just kick and scream now, I can get a move to a championship club and I can keep mm-hmm. playing championship football. 
and yeah, okay, it's it's definitely a high standard in League One. You know, there's no bones about that. But he's, he's stuck around, and it's paid off for him and the club. It, it's been a mutually beneficial decision, mm. and it's it's really come off. But I think what Daniel says here, he says that we don't need him. I, I would argue that to be fair, I think we do. I think there's going to be we're going to get one or two games where we will play a team that's going to sit back for ninety minutes. Mm. They might get an early goal. They might just want to. They might just content themselves with nil-nil. Yeah. And they might be resolute. We, we might have one of those days where we're quite frustrating. See, we've not yeah. got Maguire available. Mm. We, we might, you know, Morgan's not doing it. Gooch is not doing it. We, we, there'll be games where the other team's resolute and we're just not on the boil and we look frustrating oh. going forward. Yeah. And then you need a screamer to pop up. You need someone to pop up and just like, just like cut inside from the left and then have a shot, you know, just like beat his man, have a go. Totally. You know, the ball comes back out on the edge of the box and just has a shot, and McGee can put those away. Well, that's the thing; he can create out. You know, he can create something out of nothing. Really. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, he's got that capability, mm-hmm. and, and like you, say, you know, you you bang on. You know, yeah. some teams will sit back and, and want to defend, and you know, maybe be frustrated. Um, you know, and he he's he's one of the players that we have. Yeah. That can, you know, open the door. Maybe. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, you you can be you know you you can be as as you can park the bus as sort of strongly as you want, but no one's immune from a, a McGeady screamer in League One. No one's immune from a, a McGeady screamer, period. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. But anyway, the last one we'll go into before we um, uh, ask you some questions, Darren, about yeah. what's going on with you. Um, Richard Shaw says, if McGeady was unavailable, I think the squad has enough togetherness and quality to push through. Just. Thankfully, we're in a world where SAFC can field Aidan McGeady in League One. That's some skullduggery of the highest level. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's it, isn't it? That's it in a nutshell. It's, mm. you know, that's what we've just said. It's like it, you know, due in no small part, obviously, his character and and how obviously Donald and Ross and Co have handled the situation. Yeah. We've got him, yeah. and, and we've got him for at the very least the rest of this season. I'd imagine in the championship would have him as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's just it's just all round, all round a good time. Yeah. Any other thoughts on McGeady before we move on? Or are we all just in agreement that um, he's... I think he should win the League One Player of the Year award. I, yep. don't, know if, I don't know if that's... Is that tonight? I'm not sure. Um, when they give out the EFL know. awards. I know he's, yeah. he's one of the nominated players. I forget who the others are. I think James mm. Collins of Luton might be one of them. Yeah. Um, but he should win that award. Um, thinking about it, I, I wasn't that surprised that he was the only Sunderland player named in the team of the season. Mm. Uh, but he definitely deserved to. The other one I thought might be McLaughlin, but then you look at... Um, his goalkeeper's record and it's actually yeah. very good so you yeah, can't really is. complain about that no, um, no. but I think he should win because he's the he's, oh, I think it's pretty obvious he's the best player in League 1 he is yeah. he is There's, I don't see how anyone could possibly argue with that you know not that I've seen anyone argue with that but if they did I wouldn't know how they've done it you know I, think, I, I mean wonder. obviously you, you will get people argue with it because obviously people yeah. who support other teams will think you know their, their players are better you yeah know what I mean? and, mm-hmm. But realistically, if you're a neutral and you're looking at it from the outside, you've, you've got to think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, this this guy's just sort of like tap dancing his way through players here. It's just... I mean, his feet are incredible. Yeah. yeah it, his quick feet, you know, he can move the ball, you know, and, and make a defender look stupid. He can. It, it, looks, it looks almost effortless at times. Yeah. It's, um, uh, yeah. He's got, I mean, I think Peter Beagle years ago, he, he used to be a nightmare to, to play against Peter mm-hmm. Beagle. I used to just kick him. <laughs> he just chopped every day. He just chopped yeah. and chopped and chopped, and by the uh-huh. he'd be dizzy. Yeah. I mean, he dizzy, and he, he was brilliant at that. Yeah. Um, but I think the good thing with McGeady is he goes past, he, he goes past people. He drives at people. He, you know, mm-hmm. he's a threat. And you know, like I say, any defender's nightmare. Yeah. Really. There's at times when you're a fan and you're watching a move and you don't even know what's happened before. No. You know, you're like it. You know, like what he's, he's already got his way past the player, and you don't even know what's happened. You're not yeah. even sure how he's got there. It's just. Yes, yeah, so I'm uh, here on the Roker Report. We're not a particularly big fan of Aidan McGeady, as you can probably tell. You know, we're, we're, we don't really rate him that highly. No, but anyway, 
So let's have a uh, let's just let's sort of um, move away now from the current events of football, and let's talk to you now, Darren, about um, we've got a few questions for you. Obviously, you're our special guest in the studio this afternoon. We've had you on a few times before, Simon. So I'm afraid. You're not getting that title today, I'm afraid. Yeah, this is your, that's, that's, yeah. that's fine. He ran yeah. out of questions for you. He, yeah. he wore the shirt. He gets seen Yeah, it's it's exactly. I've got no questions for you, Simon. Sorry. As it's your third appearance, you're part of the furniture now. So, you know. But yeah, sorry. So, um, uh, basically, first question. Let's kick it off with probably, I'd say, the most iconic one from your time at Sunderland, Darren. So, in 1997, you scored in Sunderland's relegation season at your hometown club, Middlesbrough, as many will probably know. Famously goading the Middlesbrough fans by cupping your hand over your ear as you scored. So first of all, why was it that you did that in Middlesbrough? Um, well, basically in the warm-up, I was getting absolutely tortured off the fans. Right. I mean, basically, you know, I hadn't obviously done anything. I hadn't played against Middlesbrough before. No. Um, you know, and, but obviously being a Middlesbrough lad, you know, obviously they're seeing it as, you know, as me doing wrong. Yeah. For Sunderland in, in, you know, against Middlesbrough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my reaction from that was just basically back at them. Really, because obviously you know I took so much stick, um, and you wouldn't believe some of the words I would say can't repeat on on air. Um, but some of the some of the words that were, were thrown out were you know were just bizarre and mental. Um, and you know I'm not a proven goal scorer, but obviously you know my my reaction was you know was to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty much trying silence silence them really. You know, at the end of the day, and both clubs we were both fighting fighting relegation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately we both went down that season yep. as well. You know. That at the time was seen as obviously you know a massive, massive three points. Yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be a morbid satisfaction from the Southern fans at the time to take Barrow down with them. You know, yeah. I think, I think we're uh, again, and I've said it loads of times. Many Sunderland fans have, but it's it doesn't feel like as authentic a derby as Newcastle does, and nor will it ever really. But you know, the, the, the occasion does have some significance more so than your average fixture, less so than when we play the Mags. But it's it, it, it's a, it's a big game, and you, you're going to get reactions like that from fans more so from them, as obviously you've found. Yeah, and that's what you're going to do. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's what anyone would do. Just yeah, they hate each other. You know? Yeah, that's the bottom line. The fans hate each other. Yeah, and I don't mind that. I mean, it's, so long as it's good banter, you know. When it goes beyond that, then obviously you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's issues and problems. Um, but yeah, that was a massive game. Um, for me, um, I shouldn't have even been in the box. That was the thing. <laughs> Bizarrely enough, I wasn't actually supposed to be in the box. Um, we'd done a lot of shape um, leading up to the game. Um, we'd gone through, ran through everything. Uh, and my sole responsibility in that game really was to man-mark Janino. Mm. Uh, however, when Bobby Saxon was writing the team on the board and Peter Reid was talking to us, he didn't have a clue that Janino wasn't playing. So I'm kind of like, we'd gone through all week what we were going to do and yeah. this, that and the other. And he said, any questions? And I put my hand up. I went, yeah. And he was like, well, been through it all week. I was like, what, what do you need to ask? I went, you want me to sit next to Janino on the bench? <laughs> and, and bizarrely enough, I ended up with a free roll. Right. And it was Paul Bracewell who said, might as well get yourself in the box. Yeah. So go and get yourself in the box because like, there's, no, there's no one to mark. You know, well, if, if no your sole responsibility because is gone. Realistically, yeah. they would have left Janino up cause with, with his height, you know, Defending free kicks and in corners, they didn't. They wouldn't have brought Janino back. He would have stayed up the pitch. So obviously, I, effectively, I would have been marking him. So mm-hmm. ideally, it worked out, you know, really, really well. Many people said they had my eyes open when I edited it. I think I'm not too sure. <laughs> hey, look, it was in the back of the net. That's all that matters, yeah, exactly. you know. You, exactly. you, 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 you're given the free roll, yeah. and obviously, you took it. I know, and... Big Lee Howie wasn't happy though because he said I took it off his head. <laughs> all right, I got in front of him. 
<laughs> oh, well, I think I think what's probably most important for you at the time was that from the Middlesbrough fans' point of view, it was your goal and it was you cup in the years and not anyone else. So, yeah, yeah, thankfully. There you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that was my second goal, you know, for Sunderland. Mm. Actually, at the time, I scored away at Leicester. Yeah. Um, was he second of four? I believe. Yeah, I've actually scored about six or seven. But right. Wikipedia well, is horrendous. It's oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Well, that, that's what I yeah. used as my tell, uh, reference there. a different story yeah, yeah, on yeah. there. Um, but yeah, I'd actually scored away at Leicester. That was my first goal uh, for mm-hmm. Sunderland. And that was in a 1-1 draw. Unfortunately, uh, Martin Scott gave a penalty away in that game and, and we ended up drawing 1-1. But, you know, I scored with my left foot, which was very unusual. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I loved it, you know, and, and scoring that goal against the middles was fantastic. We just shy my birthday as well, which was great. Yeah. Um. So obviously the weekend celebrations. But then what happened fantastic. after? Yeah. Yeah. But then after, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a, so yeah, the, um, the second question I was going to follow up with was, what was the fallout you suffered due to scoring that goal? Were there any, let's say, consequences, um, any repercussions from perhaps goading the Borough fans who, yeah, obviously was, deserved it, you know? But yeah, I mean, you know, they did for what for how they went on in the warm up, but yeah, I mean, I. I I came out one morning and I thought me my car windows were really clean and then I realised there wasn't any car windows in it. <laughs> um, they put a, they put me a house window through. Um, they used to stand outside on a Friday night when we were at home um, the next day singing early hours of the morning to try and keep me up. Um, yeah, it was bizarre. Um, I had a few issues in town, in Middlesbrough town once. Uh, my brother got headbutted and they broke his cheekbone. Right. Um, weirdly enough, after that game, I ended up with a... A number for the for the police, mm-hmm. but it was a riot van number. And if I if I had any bother in Middlesbrough, I used to have to ring. I used to hit this number, and the riot van would turn up, literally with dogs and all sorts. And it's just no, how often <laughs> I you felt to, special. Yeah. How uh, often did you have to use that number? I used it all? once when me when my brother brought his cheap one, right. only because it, I turned around and realised there was more of them than there mm-hmm. was of me. So yeah, I thought it probably wouldn't go down too well. No, no, <laughs> I, I suppose not. I suppose you can laugh now, but it's not very nice. It's not. It's it's not because you know you go if if you're going out for a meal, if you're going out for you know for drinks in town, and and you you're constantly looking over your shoulder. Do you know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. like you know you you fear that someone's just gonna you know come behind you. Yeah, anything. It it it, it goes beyond. I think you know it being sort of like a a controversial. I say that even loosely. a, A controversial moment at a game. It goes from that to being like a a real sort of like. Sort of like physical and emotional problem in your day to day life. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I mean, I, I know I, I have a strong dislike for Jack Callback for what he did to Sunderland. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to stand outside his, his, his house on a weekly basis and try and keep him up at night. <laughs> yeah, nor am yeah. I going to follow him around in town and try and sort of you know no. stick a nut in him. I don't care about him that much, and, and no. nor should anyone else. You know, they yeah, shouldn't. Exactly. They shouldn't care that they shouldn't care that much about disliking you. It's, no. but I suppose that's just that's more of like a. As, as, as more of a social sort of problem yeah, than, exactly. than perhaps I mean, I, one you know, issue. I, I'm, I'm good with a banter. I, you know, I don't mind the banter. You know, it's, yeah. it's great. But when it goes beyond that and it's that, you know, it starts yeah. to get, it gets you know, pathetic. And it's, yeah, because like you say, you you know, you, you are concerned because obviously you can't go out and you can't relax. No, you, know you can't. Yeah, you no, know, you find yourself. Oh, yeah. it's completely out well, of it, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, what you, you go home and you, your house windows are bricked. You go out and you, yeah. you know, you got Borough fans on your tail. That's you know, it's it, yeah, exactly. it's, a, it's, not it's a bad time around Borough fans though, because no, I, no, I, no. I know a lot of Borough fans yeah. who are perfectly They're reasonable. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. To be fair, Simon, that's yeah, that's it's totally a minority. Right. That's all it was. Yeah, yeah it, 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 just the minority. It, majority. I mean, most of my family are Borough fans. Do you know what I mean? Like I say, it's a minority people that you know cause these issues and, and cause these problems and, yeah and then it gets labeled everyone else gets labeled with it because obviously it's like mm-hmm. you know the borough fans this or the sunland fans this or the new you yeah know, whatever it is um you know but we've got to remember at the end of the day not everyone's like that. 
No, no, I think that the term is it's a vocal minority, isn't it? But yeah, but yeah, no, yeah, you, you're right what you say as well, though, Simon. You know, it's, it's you know, we, we certainly aren't here on the report to demonize the entire Borough fan base as being thugs because that, that's couldn't be further from the truth. You yeah. know, it's that's not the case at all. I mean, it's just it, it, it is as you say, though, it's when you see that level of violence portrayed in football. You know, my reaction initially is disgust. I mean, if you just look at, say, like the, the second City derby, yeah. when that fan around the pitch and chinned Grealish, you know, yeah. and you just look at that and you just think, you know, you're a pathetic human being for yeah, doing I mean, that. What, what the hell are you doing? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah but, sure. ah, but I suppose moving away from that. So we've, we've talked about, a, 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 I think, what you'd call a career highlight there at Sunderland for you, Darren. Let's talk about one that's going to be regarded definitely as a low light. The Charlton playoff at Wembley is regarded by everyone that's not a Sunderland fan or a Sunderland player at the time as one of Wembley's best ever games. What was that day like for you? Um, God, mixed emotions, really. Um, you know, again, you know, you've got the whole build-up of it. You know, the night before, you know, you you look out your hotel window and it's just a sea of red and white. Um, you know, they're all celebrating. They're putting videos on of you know them in the fountains and stuff. And yeah, uh, having a fantastic. You know, you turn up at Wembley. Just the noise was immense, mm-hmm. absolutely immense. And you know, you talk about it now, and like hairs on the back of your neck stand up because you can still remember, you still get that feeling, feeling from it. Um, you know, and like I say, up and down, roller coaster, mixed emotions, um, disappointment. But in the grand scale of things, probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Yeah, because I think if we'd have gone up that year, we'd have come straight back down. I don't think we'd have been strong enough. I don't to stay up. I think we learned a hell of a lot that season. We we had quite a young squad at the time as well. You know, we had some young lads coming through, like some, you know, we had Jody Craddock in was young, myself, mm. Darren Holloway, you know, there was some young players and you know, Paul Thurwell. Um and we learned a load of stuff that season, you know, and we learned and not only that is we just grew together mm-hmm. as a team, so strong. And and we used to do a lot of stuff together, you know, we'd go out for coffees, meals, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's the the way Peter Reed and Bobby Saxon had it. Yeah, and I always, I always, people always say, you know, how did you do so well? And I always say, like, you know, we did a lot of team bonding. You know, not saying it was wasn't drinking because it was. It was a drinking <laughs> culture then, you know, and that was Peter Reed and Bobby Saxon. But for me, they say like, you know, it was clever things that they did. I mean, obviously they moved me from midfield, put me in the centre half. Um, you know, again, I hadn't played centre half since I was ten year old. You know what I mean? But Bobby Saxon was like, you know, I'm gonna put your centre half with Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't get it at the time. But we just, me and Jordan had a good connection and we were mates off the pitch and we used to room together all the time. And I think Sacco just seen that that gel and that deve- and he just thought, right, you know, we're gonna it's a gamble. Mm-hmm. And he did say that it's a gamble. He said, but we're willing to take it and willing to risk it and see how it goes. Right. And obviously, you know, it, it went extremely well. Um but for me, they didn't spend a fortune to build the team. You know, Kev Phillips was, was next to nothing really, if you look if you look at it. Um, myself, Jordy, you know, people like that you know, they got for really, you know, really cheap. Um, but they just had a, an idea and a vision and how they wanted to play and what players they wanted and for me I, I, I describe it as a jigsaw puzzle and they just found the pieces that fit and what they and what they required yeah. and they just put it together wow. and, and it, you know it was a fantastic you know mm-hmm. it was fantastic times you know, I mean everyone I mean you've got the experience of Niall Quinn there you know Kevin Ball you know those type of players like you can draw on and, 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 and they were there for the young lads coming through and, and they were always there and, and they were there to talk to, they were there to drag you through a game, they were there to kick you up the backside when you needed to, you know, and, and that just, it just got us going and we just mm-hmm. had such a, a com- camaraderie together and such a team spirit, good team spirit, it just carried us on. Right. You know, finishes seventh twice, you would look at that team and say it would finish seventh twice. 
you know, on paper, it was it didn't look anything, but the way they had us and and what they got, and they got characters. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of good characters in there, um, and a lot of good lads who, who looked after each other. Yeah. So that's another question as well, um, Darren. As well, we say there about Saxton. I mean. Like I've heard that he's always been a very knowledgeable coach. You know, I think there was well. I mean, I say I've heard that as if it's as, as if it's quite exclusive. You know, I think most people are under no illusions that yeah. you know he knew his stuff, Saxton. But ha, did he? Would you say in any respect, in any sense of the word, did Saxton have a impact on your career as a coach that you would go on to have? Obviously, in after your senior career was over. Yeah, totally. I think you know he had a, he had a mass, massive influence on my on my career. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he with with. Reedy and Sacco, they they were really was a good man manager. Mm-hmm. He knew how to manage his players, he knew how to treat his players, he knew when to give them a kick up the backside, he, he knew when we needed a bit of time time away, you know. And he'd done that extremely well. Sacco was very clever in what he did. You know, like I said, he you know, put me in the in the centre half. You know, never seen me play there ever. You know, but he just had an, an idea and a vision and he, and he thought, right, I'm gonna give it a go. Mm-hmm. And he was they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And don't get me wrong, um, you know, when the time came to the end, I was gutted for them. You know, I mean, I didn't because they were fantastic. I, to be fair, when you look at it, I think you know, let them see the season out. You know, we got relegated anyway, but let them see the season out because I just believe that within them two, they would have changed. It would have changed mm-hmm. something. You know, we might have stayed up by the skin of our teeth, but something would have changed. Yeah, you just felt there was something there. Yeah, with totally. Those two. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were brilliant. They were fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. Ricky Sprazier was uh, an influence over my career as well. Though. Obviously, he was my youth team manager at York, right? Um, and he recommended me to Peter Reid uh, when he when he moved to Sunderland, and that was the whole how it all came about, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you talk me through your managerial career? After you, um, obviously, because as, as we've said there, um, Sacco had a big impact on your sort of career after football, after after your professional football yeah. career was over. But then from there, you went on to have a managerial career, I think, for not the longest period of time, but it was there, wasn't it? Yeah, I had four years at Whitby, um, right. which was brilliant. Um, it was a tough it was a tough job, really, to be quite honest, because <clears throat> I didn't have a lot of money at Whitby. It's a little bit remote. Mm-hmm. You know, so the players I, I brought in is, you know, I brought in players I knew, um, I brought in players I could rely on. I probably maybe reflected on my Sunderland career and what Reedy and Sacco did mm-hmm. and tried to emulate that a little bit with yeah. me, the people I brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, I took over, um, I think it was around about the back end of October, beginning of November, because um, I was actually playing there. And then the chairman just asked me if I wanted to take the manager's job. So yeah. I was like, well, yeah, I said, I'll give it a go. I said, didn't intend that was not the intentions, but yeah, I'll give it a go. And yeah. um, was it one of those where when it came up at the time, it just seemed like a good idea? Yeah, was, it did. Yeah, the, yeah. and was, I just thought, yeah, do you know, what? I'll, yeah. I'll give this a go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me about a month to get sort the team out. Um, we had some players who unfortunately weren't up to grade and, yeah. and up to scratch, really. To sorry, what level was Whitby Town at when you it went? Was the Evil Stick Prem, so it was kind of like um, one, two, three tiers down from. Conferences. Uh, I think it's just two. Is it two? I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's a decent level and it's mm-hmm. a good level. Um, it's like a fully-fledged semi-professional league. Yeah. But it, it took, like I say, it took, you know, a month to sort the team out. And what I did, the biggest thing I, I learned as well is, like, the players I didn't really want or not want, but players that couldn't meet the grade and, and couldn't really play for us, really, you know, at that level. I found clubs before I actually 
let them go because I think the biggest thing for me is like at that level they ain't earning a lot of money mm-hmm. and the last thing you want to do is say right thank you very much son see you later you know so for me I found clubs and I you know I approached clubs and said look I've got this player we'll keep him on on a form you know but you can sign jail registration yeah so we just did that and then they, they went and played and then it, obviously if we if we required him if he was short one week you know we could call him back in and, mm-hmm. and he could play for us um, so I did that and I think a lot of the players respected that because obviously, you know, they were still playing, still with an idea that they could come back. <laughs> um, and I just brought in, like I say, lads I knew, you know, I brought in Graham Armstrong, um, you know, who I'd known from Gated and, and, and placed that, you know, a very good goal scorer. <laughs> um, at that I level, I imagine. The team. Yeah, yeah, I brought in, like, all Jeff Smith, who used to be at Bolton. Um, you know, and Jeff was fantastic, brilliant. Um, and we just got a, we had a good bunch of lads together. Um, I think we ended up going, I think it was about 14, 15 games unbeaten. Right. back end of the season and we ended up surviving and it actually took over the chairman wrote us off he said we were planning for the Northern League next year mm-hmm. and it like, kind of hit me a little bit I was like oh, hang on a second you've not even given me a chance here do you yeah. know what I mean but the way he's seen it we were 13 points adrift you know and, and it took us a month to t- to change the team mm-hmm. you know but like I say we went on the back end I mean we ended up playing we travelled down on the Wednesday to play at uh, Matlock and it got rained off so we had to then travel on the Thursday bearing in mind yeah. these lads work you know, and I've got to get them off work to get down to Matlock hmm. and go and play. Um, so I managed to get them off both nights. Obviously, the first night got cancelled, so we ended up coming back. Second night we went down, we ended up winning 4-2. And then on the Saturday, which was two days later, we were travelling down to Buxton for our hmm. last game of the season, which we ended up winning 1-0. I had to play in that in both games, like, to be quite honest, which was <laughs> an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, you, you're very, very rarely do you see that now in football, no, do you? No, you don't. And exactly, I think the last one you did that was Gary Caldwell at Wigan yeah. did that, didn't he? But I've not it, got, it got to a point where I couldn't manage and play. Yeah. Because you, you, t- you either take away from your own game or you just, you don't see what's going on. No. You know, on, the, on the pitch and, and you can't really balance the two right. Yeah. What's a manager like on the pitch? You're just like a captain, but like more vocal. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah but you can't, the problem is, is you're, you, you're trying to concentrate on doing your job. While but you're also trying to think, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, you look, you're looking at here, ten other, yeah, are the other do ten jobs doing what I want to do. Yeah, so it's it's a lot to go on, and, and in the end, I made a decision like not to play. Yeah, uh, only if needs be, if we were short or anything. Yeah, because it was nice. We went. I mean, we went down to Nantwich, um, and five or six lads were travelling down in the car mm-hmm. because they couldn't we couldn't get off work early enough. So we were all down on the bus. They got there five minutes before kickoff, <laughs> and I took a lad from my college where I worked at. I worked at uh, EDC. Yeah. Uh, and basically, I took one of the college lads with me. He was signed him on a form. Mm-hmm. So it was me and him on the bench. And within that first five minutes of the game, two of my centre-halves came off. One pulled his calf and one pulled his hamstring because he'd been in the car. <laughs> sat in the car for hours coming down. Right, yeah, you know, so he was just, like, just stiff as a board to get know, on the pitch. You got, I mean, we only got beat 2-1. Um, unfortunately, I would keep him at a boo-boo at the end and, and mm. let one in. But, you know, it, that's massive learning. You know, you mm-hmm. learn a lot. And, and you've got to man-manage these players. You know, I had lads come from Newcastle to train whippy and then to play games and it was just you know so for them I've got to give them the time off sometimes and, mm-hmm. and look after them but I've got to do it right because you've got lads who were in Middlesbrough training and they're like well where's the lads from Newcastle and I'm like well hang on a second they travel a long distance mm-hmm. you know I'm looking after them we've got a lot of games going up and it was just you just man managed the yeah you you can't run them into right. the ground especially no, exactly. when they've got I mean you know and, with, we, and yeah. we went from surviving to finishing um, 11th, to finishing 9th. But then, unfortunately, the, um, I did a return list of who I wanted to keep, and I gave it to my chairman. Um, <laughs> and our season finishes at the back end of April. 
Um, and I spoke to him about February and I said, you know, we need to speak to these lads before the end of the season. We don't pay them through the summer because they don't get paid. Mm-hmm. They're only on contract from the, through the yeah. season. Fixed term. So it wouldn't cost the club anything, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he didn't speak to them. So they went to Dalton, they went to Spenny and they went all over. So you, I lost half my team and, and you can't build with nothing. You can't. You know? so, no. And then that's unfortunately when it, it just went downhill from there. Yeah. And it was difficult because all the lads who I knew and I could rely on, unfortunately, they, they'd gone because they didn't know what was happening. I'd mm. spoke to them and said I want to keep you, but the chairman hadn't spoken, you know, a range of contracts and stuff. Would you do it again? Would you like another job? Yeah, I would love another job. Yeah, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd love to go in management. I'd love to go into a club full time, to be quite mm. honest. Um, it's so difficult, really difficult. You know, you, you ask around and you look around, you apply for jobs, uh, and half the time you don't even get an interview. You know, so it's, it's difficult. I, d- I did under-15s at um, Hartlepool for a, for a while, um, but shed loads of paperwork for any... You, them two hours that you do every night paperwork you don't get paid for and it's just like mm-hmm. you think I could have spent another hour on the pitch with the lads yeah. you know and it's just it's finding that balance now of, of like you know what's more important is it developing players mm-hmm. out on the field or is it sitting behind a computer or at a desk writing about what they're good at and what they're not good at yeah it's, it's not you know, what you it's not what any coach has in mind is it no, the, the, of no, sitting there not. doing maybe you know very arduous paperwork knowing that I'm not getting paid for any of yeah, this. Exactly, and, it, and it's tough because, like I say, I'd sooner spend more time out, out in the training pitch. Of course, yeah, yeah. Only makes sense. So just one final question, Darren. What is it you're doing these days? Because I, I understand, obviously, you're not in football management currently. What is it you're doing now? No, I'm working for a company in York called I2I, um, International Academy. Um, they basically set up uh, out of York Uni, um, and they're lads from all over the world, you know, America, India, all over. Um, and they come over, do degrees, and then we coach them on an afternoon. Um, they play Monday night floodlit league, mm-hmm. um, and then they play Wednesdays, which is the books league, which is all the university yeah. teams play each other. Um, and then basically we we arrange showcase games against like Sunderland or Hull or whatever you know any pro clubs that we can. Um, bearing in mind the level, because these lads ain't up to the standard of you know your your Sunderland academies. No, you know they're they're top players. You know. They're not near there, but we've had some great games. We played Wolves and we beat Wolves uh, under 16, 17s, oh, wow. 3 0. Um, we came up uh, the other week and played against Sunderland. We lost 2 1. Um, Sunderland had a few 15, 16, 17s in. Um, but it was good. It was, mm-hmm. it was brilliant. It gives them an insight into what it's really like. Yeah, and, and imagine as well for university teams that you do get, you, you will get a good standard of player. I mean, I mean, I was at University of Sheffield, and you know, I mean, obviously. You know, um, there's a reason why I'm doing a podcast and and not playing football myself. You know, like I, I was nowhere near and um, uh, uh, the the the, f- the starting eleven of a uni booth that's eighty thousand strong. You know, yeah. forty thousand of those will be blokes. Yeah, yeah. Twenty thousand yeah. will like football. You know, yeah. that's a big crop to pick from. Yeah, totally. So you know, with university teams, you do tend to get. I mean, I'd imagine obviously it's not going to be you know identical to the standard of like you know professional club football. No. Yeah. But it, it, there's there's going to be you, you're going to get some gems in there. I bet you're going to get some yeah, very we, good players. We get the yeah, we get the odd ones. We had a, they had a couple of lads before I joined. Um, who went to Leeds. Um, yeah. And I think one one's gone on to Sampdoria. Right. Um, wow. You know, so that it's, it's good for them. Um, and it, you know, gets them on the try. We just trying to delve into different markets now. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, different countries and see if we can you know make a connection. Um, but it, it's good. I mean, you know, my books team this year's they we won the league. Um, I've got the Whites team who I have who play on a Monday night in the floodlit. They're in the quarterfinals of the cup on uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's there's a bit of success for them, and, yeah. and they love it. You know, they love it. I mean, they turn up every day and they yeah. train and the, the work they add, isn't it? They want to train even longer. 
that's the thing, you know, they, they want to train two, three hours. And I'm like, well, that's not what they do. You know, mm-hmm. at any level, you wouldn't train that length no, of you time. Have to, uh, yeah, you'd, 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 also you'd knock yourself you, for your yeah, games, exactly. wouldn't you? Yeah. And again, it's it's man managing them because obviously they've got a lot of uni work to do. Yeah. Um, and it's giving them the time to get that done as well as obviously mm-hmm. train and play games and stuff. Yeah. But all in all, um, are you enjoying it? Yeah. It sounds like it, you yeah, are. Yeah. yeah, it's been brilliant. Yeah. I, I mean, I've I started in September. Uh, you know, so I've not done a year yet, but it's yeah, it's brilliant and it, it's different. Uh, you know, it's you, you're getting lads in who who are at a certain age, but still want to develop and still want mm-hmm. you know want to try. Um, and, and they're good kids. They're good yeah. kids. That you know, they're really polite. Um, you know, they call you coach or sir, and I'm just like, yeah, no, it's Darren, and they just they, they just can't help it. And then uh, you're high fiving every day and fist pumping and all sorts because yeah. we've got a there's a hundred nod there you know and then they just come in and they just you find yourself trying to have your dinner but you're fist pumping every time <laughs> that's what they like they just everyone at polite. yeah everyone at college six form and uni role everyone's just like so polite you yeah know? there's a yeah. real culture of politeness I think totally yeah at that like totally. sort of like age of education <clears throat> totally but I. But yeah, no, um, uh, well, thank you very much for, for coming along today, Darren. No it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, same to you as well, Simon. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Always yeah. a pleasure. I'm sure we'll have you on for um, uh, your, your fourth appearance on the rapport in no time. <laughs> we'll, we'll call you back in. If they're celebrating promotion, I'd like to be part of that yeah. one. Oh, hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly, yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 we'll get like the entire sort of like cast of the Roker Rapport from the past two seasons in. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like an opera, you know, we'll get them in like on like the last, we'll rent out some like massive thing. We'll have like a nice chorus of just like plaudits to Sunderland. <laughs> That's wishful thinking though. We've got to actually deal with the business first, you know, then, then, then we can plan the grandstand finish for the yeah, pod. But indeed. yeah, anyway, so yeah, thank you very much um, uh, for tuning in. And thank you very much again to the University of Sunderland and their David Goldman Media Department for allowing us this space to record. You know, it's it's always appreciated. Couldn't do it without you. And I thank you as well to the listeners for still tuning in, especially as you've lasted 83 minutes coming up, which is always, I think, quite impressive because I never get car journeys that long. But yeah, anyway, thank you very much and good night. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.